Hallelujah. My name is Ed Castro. I love Jesus. Uh, I've been married a long time. I got two really big kids. Uh, I have I have uh, the 33rd best church in Brooklyn, um, in Victory Outreach, North Brooklyn, and, and we're having a good time, and we're loving the Lord, and I get to worship with my family. My dad comes to my church. My aunts come to my church. They all got saved. My cousins. Uh, you guys know Pete. You guys know Natalie. Uh, and so many people, and it's so good to, to do life with people in the faith. And so this is the map of my sermon. I'm going to share a text scripture. I'm going to share a meta message on the gospel, right? What is the gospel? Who is Jesus? Uh, I'm going to share some counsel for students and young adults. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to be available for Q&A. Does that work? All right, I want to give a, a, a big loving shout out to my Victory Outreach International family, my uh, our lovely founders, Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, our uh, wonderful elders, our uh, uh, multi-regional leader, Pastor Nick, our regional leader, Pastor Titus and Sister Tony, and our gang, uh, the czars and kings and queens of the gang, uh, Will and Kia and the rest of the crew. Um, so my text scripture today is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, Proverbs 27, verse 9. And the Word of God says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. So today, just look at me as a friend with gray hair, right? I'm, a, I'm an older friend. Right? I'm an old head friend. And, and I just pray that this counsel I give to you will be, be like, like perfume, like oil. You know, sometimes we go to regional events and we get rebuked, right? And they'll be like, ah, 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 yeah, ah, yes, yes, pastor, hit me harder, yes. Uh, go off, go off, pastor, right? And so, but I'm not going to do that to y'all this morning. I'm going to just share all love and, 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 and I'm going to share my heart. And I'm going to share with you a few things I wish someone would have told me when I was in your situation. So first, let's go to the meta. The meta is the gospel is the message that we are all separated from God because of our sin. The result of this sin is emptiness and ever-present guilt and a certain fear of death. Yet, because God loved us and in spite of our rebellion, he sent his own son to die in our place to bridge the gap between him and ourselves. And so the three R's of all that is we were ruined by sin, we were rescued by Christ, and we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. And so allow me to go off a little bit about my Jesus. Jesus is the human face of God. For you veti nerds, Jesus is the exegesis, the explanation, and the exposition of God. Jesus is the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, but they called him rabbi, the teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him the healer. He had no army, yet the kings were shook by him. He, he won no military battles, but he conquered the world. He committed no crimes, but they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. And brothers and sisters, I want you to long to, to love, to live, and study Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. Not just to preach on Sunday, not just to lead your group, but for the rest of your life. 
And then when you look at Jesus, you look at what God is like, right? People say, what's God like? And they look at the Old Testament. No, you got to start in the Gospels. If you want to see what God is like, look what Jesus did at the wedding. There was a wedding, and in the wedding, the groom is supposed to have enough food and wine. Now, when, when you say wine, right, I'm not giving you permission to get lit. The, the water wasn't good, and this wine was watered down. It wasn't like, I don't know what you call there's a process of, of like the alcoholic content. The wine then was not like the wine. It wasn't fermented like the way it is now, right? So, you know, don't get it twisted, all right? Uh, we, we believe in abstinence of alcohol. All right, but he turned the water to wine, right? Why he do that? Number one, his mother was like, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> right? And But another thing is he wanted to remove the shame. The groom had to buy the wine and the food, right? And they ran out of wine. This groom was about to be embarrassed. He was about to be the laughing stock of his community. But you know what God is like? God is in a shame removing business. Jesus took something common. You know, they say the water he he, he took the they turned to wine was the water they washed his hands. They they, they dipped their hands like a, a ceremonial cleansing, right? And so he took something that everybody had their hands in. You ever felt like everybody had their hands in your life before you got saved? Like, yo, you need to join the army. Yo, you need to join the nietas. Yo, you need to join the bloods. Oh, you need to go out with this girl. You need to be a good father. You know, and all this stuff, everybody's in your face. Oh, you need to get this job. Yo, UPS is hiring. You need to sign up. And everybody has their hands in your life. And some of their hands are dirty. But you know what God is like? He removes the shame. He takes something ordinary. He takes something dirty. And he makes something, he makes it to something valuable. And, he, and, and that's what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, he's in the shame removing business. And he's called you and I as the body of Christ to be in the shame removing business. If there's someone going through shame we, and we know about it, shame on you if you're not trying to remove their shame. You want to see what God is like? Look at John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. And the woman's at the well, and Jesus sent the disciples to, to go take care of business. You know, there's always business in ministry. There's always going to be business in ministry. And so the disciples, they were on the mission, right? They had the Matrix. They had the Google Doc, right? They shared the Google Doc. <laughs> they, had to, they had to go through their assignment. And Jesus is there at the well, and he sees a woman. And he was just like, listen, let me get some water. You know, a lot of times when God asks something, he's trying to get something to you, not something from you. But, but mo most miracles begin with obedience. And so he's talking to this woman, right? And he's talking to a Samaritan woman that's a treasure out of darkness. Got a little twilight treasure in her. <laughs> and, and he's talking to her. He's not even supposed to be talking to women, the society says. He's not supposed to talk to Samaritan, because Samaritans were like half pagan, half Jew. They were a little bit like your, your, your cousin that do Santeria. <laughs> right? And so, and, and so Samaritans had these mixed beliefs. The Jews thought they were unclean. They didn't talk to them. They didn't look at them. They didn't share forks with them. If they went to Applebee's and the Samaritan ate in there, they walked out. And so Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. He's giving her hope. He's showing her the life, the light. And you know what this lady does? She becomes the first evangelist. She goes and tells everybody, yo, you got to come see this guy that told me everything about my life. You got to come see uh, uh, the Messiah. You know what God is like? God is in, he's not bound by social convention. He's not bound by societal norms. He's not bound by political parties. He's not bound by background. He's not bound by geographical location. Hey, God has called us. 
not to be bound and, and just reach people that look like us, that think like us, that vote like us. But to spread this love. That's what God is like, fam. And I share this stuff. I didn't even start preaching. This is how I always start. I always start on Jesus. I always start on the gospel because you can't hear it enough. And, and, and the reason I share this is because good, good theology leads to good philosophy and good psychology. And that leads to a good life. You got you to think about what you think about, fam. You got to practice a, a, a biblically-based metacognition. Because, you know, we got, what, 60,000 vote, uh, votes, 60,000 thoughts, and we repeat them most of the time. And we need new thoughts. We need to renew our mind. When we got saved, the spirit became born again, but the flesh needs to be subdued and the mind needs to be renewed. And so good theology leads to a good life. Good theology shows you you're loved. It's not about us loving God. It's about us realizing that God loved us. That God loved us. And we don't, we don't love her back out of obligation. We love her back out of adoration. Looks the same, but it's different. It looks the same, but if you want to you be like the burning bush that doesn't uh, uh, burn out. You, cause, cause, and if you want to have that burning bush that if you want to stay on fire and not get burnt out, you need to take off your shoes every morning and get in the presence of God and let the presence of God shift your personality, shift your paradigm, shift your perspective. So good theology shows you you're loved. Good theology shows you your identity in Christ. And then your identity shares your, it, it involves your self-awareness, your self-confidence, your self-esteem. Does it make sense what I'm saying, fam? Wave your hand. Go like this. <laughs> All right. And so you ever seen the movie The Beauty and the Beast? The movie Beauty and the Beast shows us that love creates beauty. That love creates beauty. And that when we realize how much God loves us, our life becomes more beautiful. All right, so I promise you some, some, some counsel, some good smelling oil, you know, perfume counsel. So the first thing I'm going to do is I want to talk to some students that are here. And the first thing I want to say with love to the students is Jesus is the answer, but education is the key. Jesus is the answer. But, and when I say education, I'm not just mean college. I'm just learning to love, whether it's trade school, whether it's high school, college, whether it's veti, or whether it's just being a disciple, right? You're, you're a disciple. you got to learn. Reader, leaders are readers. So to, to the students, uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 17. The book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 17. It says, God gave these four young men an unusual, unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. So Daniel, these guys had spiritual gifts, talent, and aptitude. They had uh, charisma, confidence, and competence, right? And so what I want to say is that God calls the foolish things of the world, but he doesn't call us to stay foolish. And so we have to know that education is key. You know Daniel, the role Daniel played, so, so you know when Jesus was born, he was born in a manger, right? There was no room in the end. A lot of people got, got no room for Jesus in the heart, but that, that's Kia's sermon, right? And so, but he's born with the animals, it stank, the animals are making mad noise, and then these magi come. Right? And the Puerto Ricans say the three kings, right? <laughs> but the, the Magi come, it was, it was probably more than three. 
and they came with their camels, they came blinked out, right? Some of them were like African, Asian, Arab looking, Asian looking. They, they, they were so deep that the king got scared. It was like, yo, yo, what, y- what y'all doing here? What, what, what's really going on? Like, and so they came and they gave Jesus gifts. Frankincense, myrrh, what was it, gold, right? And so, and you know Jesus had to move after that to Egypt. So like theologians like Kendall will say, it's probably, they probably used those gifts as capital to move. And how did the Magi know about that star of Bethlehem? Through Daniel. Right? Because Daniel was smart. Daniel got busy. He worked for three different kings. And the queen always raised the top. They said he had the spirit of excellence. And part of the spirit of excellence came from his education. All right, fam. I know you. I, I, I understand. I understand. You want me to stop talking about that? Ecclesiastes 7.19 says, Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten rulers of the city. Ecclesiastes 7.19 says that. Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. Mm-hmm. Acts 7.22 says, Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful both in speech and in action. Moses went to the best schools in the world. Going to schools in Egypt was like going to Harvard at that time. Not even close. And he went to school there, and he wasn't struggle busting. He was doing his thing. He was learning. You know, we look at Moses in the desert, and, and, and God, had to, God had to give him a thorn to make him rely on the Lord. But he wasn't always like that. He was highly educated. He knew how to speak. He knew how to fight. He knew how to lead. When he, when he went to meet Pharaoh, he knew, he knew how to walk around. He, he didn't need nobody to show him where the throne room was. He grew up there. Can't be scared of Egypt, fan. So understand God uses educated people. He used Moses. Uh, Isaiah was highly educated. The prophet Isaiah, uh, he was a political and religious counselor. Matthew was a tax collector before this calling. Matthew uh, needed to know math, education, networking, uh, civil law, how to speak Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Luke, right? The book of Luke, where you read Luke through Acts, one of the greatest two pieces of literature you could read together. Luke was a physician and a historian. The Apostle Paul was a straight genius. He was like uh, Gamaliel's best student. He was the best like Hebrew student. And he, he had Roman citizenship. He understood. Do you guys get what I'm saying? We need, we need young people who are good in school. We need young people who value their education. Now, some young people say, well, Pastor Ann, I'm a person of color. I don't like school. My school's not a good school. Listen, most of the best theologians in the early church came from North Africa. Most of the best theologians. And and, and the seven churches in Revelation, Turkey. My brothers in Turkey are brown. My sisters in Turkey are brown. Right? The churches, you know, in the New Testament, Turkey. Right? Uh, Augustine, Athenaeus, Cyprius, Origen, Philo. All the top early church theologians, North Africa, Libya, Egypt. So, so fam, you come from a good bloodline. You could do school. Education is the ultimate equalizer to come out of poverty. So uh, I pray that you love to learn and you learn to learn. Second thing, 
Uh, if you're in school, if you're a young adult, just ignore this part. I'll go two minutes on this. If you're in school, try things while they're free. Because when you're older and you want to learn how to code, that's $299. And if you're in school and you're listening to this, and they got volleyball, play. They got baseball, play. They got coding, play. They got internship, mentorship, emotional support, uh, emotional, some, uh, what is it? Social emotional support. Take advantage of it. See your grade advisor. Uh, take advantage of tutoring, academic intervention, clubs. You know, Ethan, my son, is in charge. Of, he's the president of the Christian club. He's wrestling, rugby, football, uh, I don't know, jujitsu, track, shot put, Eddie, shot put, bowling, you know, art club. Listen, that, how do you think you're going to meet people? You can't take the city and everybody you know is in church. You need to know people in other circles. All right, all right, all right. So young people in school, try things while they're free. Uh, all right, young people, if you, puberty sucks, fam. I get it. Just, just go through it. Ask God to help you. Stay close to your leaders. Uh, if you feel a little insecure, guess what? So does everybody. All right? So young people that are in school, I feel so insecure. I feel so you know, insecure. My shirt don't fit right. I don't got the Jordan 9s with the patent leather. I don't got... Listen, everybody's insecure, fam. Right? Um, listen, to, listen to Pastor Ed. If you're insecure, guess what? So is the rest of the world. Do not overestimate your competition and underestimate yourself, especially if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I'm going to say that again. Do not overestimate the competition and underestimate yourself. You're better than you think, especially if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. All right, young adults, it's your turn. Young adults, take care of your health. Health is wealth. Movement is medicine, fam. Jesus walked a lot. You know, after he was resurrected, he walked seven miles with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I can't walk seven miles right now. And walking seven miles, dropping theological bombs on them. If I'm walking seven miles, I'm not talking. I'm, I'm listening to Hillsong Young and Free on 2.0, trying to walk in and try to keep the pace, right? Listen, he walked seven miles with them, dropping bombs on them. You know, one time these people, they wanted to take Jesus. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to bring him to the edge of the cliff. But, you know, Jesus was, you know, don't be a martyr, fam. Jesus was not going to die before his time. He laid down his life at the right time. And so, Jesus, they walked to the end of the cliff, and Jesus said, I, Ja, that's enough. And they said he walked right past them. He probably gave him the grill face, because he probably had hands like my brother Jonathan from Harlem, right? And so, he just walked right past them. You got to be built a certain way to just walk right past a crowd of people that want to kill you. So, take care of your health, get strong, look good, be good, so you can do good. Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. Stature? Look at that. You see? You saw the guns right there. Grew in stature and in favor with God and man. What did, what did it say about David? Man looks, at, man looks at the appearance. God looks at the heart. Your, your appearance is the platform for your purpose. People often see you before they hear you. Right? And so, I'm not saying you need a six-pack. I'm just saying take care of yourself. Don't break down before the breakthrough. Many of your breakthroughs are going to happen when you're 30, when you're 40, right? 25. You're, you're going to get breakthroughs maybe every seven years. 
but your body wants to have entropy. Your body, you know, you know how it is, fam, as you get older. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. You see why I'm getting gray? I'm just trying to get some splendor, fam. My sp oh, my bangs is on point. You see the, the bang gang? Right? And so, um, get strong, fam. The church needs strong young people that can carry the chairs, the tables. When I was a young man, oh, man, I, I don't got... Maybe Z, maybe my, my sister Zadio will tell you. I was security, right? I kicked out people from church. I stopped fights in the men's home. I picked up speakers, <laughs> you know, I, I, I did what I had to do. And we need young people like that, that willing to do what they have to do, willing to, to protect the sisters, right? And we need sisters who will just work tirelessly, right? And so, all right, Genesis chapter 49, verse 27. Don't get mad at me, this is the Bible. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, devouring his enemy in the morning and dividing his plunder in the evening. It, you know, this is wolf time for y'all. This is wolf time. This is for y'all time to, 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 like, build the kingdom of God, get your degrees, get your money up. Don't get your funny up. Get your money up. <laughs> and so, you know, it's wolf time. It's time for you to hunt. It's time for you to hunt new experiences, to, to hunt, you know, you may want to try this job and then this job and then this job and then this ministry. But you can't do all that if you're tired. You got to get strong, fam. A man and a wo young woman cannot have two primes of their life. Make use of yours. You don't get two primes. You get one prime, son. That's why the old head said youth is wasted on the young. Because you got this power and energy and you don't know what to do with it. But thank God for the third wave. Thank God for the UTC. Thank God for the gang. Thank God for discipleship. Thank God for our pastors that are showing us and guiding us on how to invest our youth in the right way. Are you learning something? All right. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The next big idea, and this is all perfume and oil, fam. I, you know, this is all love. The next big idea is work is important. You got to learn how to work. You got to learn how to work. You know, Jesus is God, right? <laughs> for the Trinity. John 1, right? He was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word is God. Now think about the narrative that God chose to come into humanity with his divinity with. Think about the narrative he chose. Did he come through a king? He's a kingly bloodline. Did he come rich? Did he, you know, he came poor. He was so poor that when his parents gave the offering, they had to give like pigeons. Instead of a, a, a lamb, they had to give the poor people offering. They gave like two pigeons for Jesus instead of the lamb. The, the, the lamb that took away the sins of the world, his family couldn't afford the lamb. <laughs> they had to come with two pigeons. So he came through a poor narrative. He came through a narrative of people of color, right? He was Middle Eastern. Then he was poor. He was poor. But another narrative that, that God himself came to, to live out his life is he had a job. Jesus was a he was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus wasn't just uh, uh, praying in tongues uh, in the cave and just came out one day with, with angels and doves. 
That's why people were mad. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55 through 56. Matthew 13, 55 through 56. It goes, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. We know Mary, his mother, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, all his sisters live right here. Where did he learn all these things? Because they were trying to say, you're a carpenter. So you got to learn to work. You got to learn to work hard. We need people to support the church and the ministry financially. We need people who, we need young people to get married, to think about having children, right? To have strong households, to be pillars in the church, to be uh, ministers and pastors and to fund the vision. And you got to work. got to work. Jesus had to trade. He had to learn to trade. So I'm going to tell you something that nobody told me. I wish somebody would tell me. You ready? You could be a disciple, a protege, and an apprentice at the same time. You could be discipled by your pastor to be more like Jesus, to embrace this vision, to put your hands to the plow. But at the same time, you could be an apprentice at work with an unsaved supervisor. You could be an apprentice at work. Someone could teach you how to learn to earn. And then you could be a protege, right? Management trainee stuff or whatever. You know, where did Moses go to school? Moses went to school with the Egyptians. Where did, where did Jesus go to primary school when he was little? Egypt. Paul went to school. Isaiah went to school. We can't be scared of the world. We got to be like thermoses, right? Like it stays, uh, it stays hot on the inside. And the Holy Spirit has to, to seal in this fire so you can be around. Maybe, maybe your supervisor is an atheist. And he can help you raise up your money and then you help him bring him to Jesus. It could be a reciprocal situation. Uh, all right, you guys got that. All right, two more things that we're done. The body of Christ is really, really, really big. The body of Christ is really, really, really big. Rick Warren says this, people forget that the church is bigger than China. It speaks more languages than the UN. It has more volunteers than all the nonprofits in the world put together. Though, you know, the world is trying to make you think you're the underdog, fam. You ain't the underdog. If we form Voltron, they'll be shook. <laughs> if the whole body of Christ form Voltron, they'll be shook. Imagine a million angel Diaz is just pulling up. I'll be scared to death, right? <laughs> but we big. Victory Average has 300 churches around the world. You got family in Panama. You got family in Africa. You got family in Europe. You got family in Guadalajara. You got family in Mexico, in Brazil. You got family in the Philippines. You got family in Chicago. You got family in Texas. You got family in, in Puerto Rico. You got family in Cuba. You got family everywhere, fam. Learn to love your network. Learn, the way you look, you know, I know you guys love your leaders, but I don't know if you love each other. Jesus, when, when, when Jesus washed Peter's feet, he said, you be blessed if you do this for each other. He didn't, because he knew they'll wash the leper's feet if he's watching. He knew they'll wash Jesus' feet all day, right? They'll, they'll detail Jesus' feet. They'll do his, give him a pedicure. But he wasn't sure if they will wash each other's feet because of competition. 
Remember, the, remember Jesus' disciples when the mother said, Jesus, can you do me a favor? Can I talk to you, Jesus? Mira, let me ask you something. Can my two sons sit next to you? You know we cousins, right? That was Jesus' cousin. You know, we, you know, we primos. Remember me at the barbecue? Remember I brought you those socks with the coquille on it? Remember I held you down, son. When you, when, when you were going to see the trip, the great adventure, who hold you down? Your DD hold you down. And so people wanted to be with Jesus on his left and in his right. And people were competing and arguing. Remember when Jesus was resurrected, he made the breakfast. And he told Peter, you love me, you love me, you love me. That's, that's a school of ministry right there. He said, you love me, go feed. You love me, go tend. You love me, go feed. He didn't say, go love them. He said, go, you love me, then you will have the power. You'll be spirit-filled and spirit-spilled to feed, to lead, and to breed, right? And so, remember that discourse. Then he says, listen, he kind of said this metaphor that Peter understood that, you know, you're going to get martyred. And then Peter took, looked at John and said, what about this guy? And John, you know, John, 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 John was confident. He, he called himself the disciple Jesus loved. And he talked about three times how he beat Peter in the race. And, and, and Jesus said, well, if he lives forever, what is it to you? They were beefing. They were beefing. And so, fam, the church is, the body is big. We're family. We have to cheer for each other. We have to love each other. Amen? Amen. Networking is really important. If you're in your union, go to your union meetings, fam. Because if you're not on the table, you might be on the menu. And so, if you're in the community board, go to your community board meetings, you know, three times a year. If you live in a hot neighborhood, right, you know, and your neighborhood is hot, go to the community mm-hmm. precinct meeting twice a year. You know, let your voice be heard. You got a vision, but you got a voice. All right, so... Uh, network is important. Most people, you you know, you know, we get we jobs because of who we know, and so it's your job to know more people, so your kids can have more opportunities. For the ministry can have more opportunities. Don't you love when your pastor has a problem, and you're like, well, what pastor? Hold on, I got a guy, and you you feel like Ray Donovan, right? You feel like a gangster, right? You you feel like connected and protected, right? You're like, well, what? Hold on, let me call my guy. Yo, yo, I'm right here with my pastor, and. It's going down, you know, and you have to get to know more people so you can help the body. It's like run for hope. You can't keep asking the same three people. You got to make more new run for hope friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to invest so you can invite. All right, all right, all right. I'll shut up. All right. So uh, networking, uh, forgive and love your parents. Forgive and love your parents. This is a trigger warning. It's going to get a little hot for three minutes, okay? Ephesians 4:31 through 32 said, "Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you." Letting our parents off the hook is one of the first steps to happiness, self-acceptance, and maturity. You, I can't tell you to forget. But I can ask you to forgive based on the word of God. I can ask you, maybe you got to stop hanging on and let go. I can, I, I, I can, 
say with some wisdom, when you forgive and embrace your parents, they'll live seven years longer. Because if you think about the pain they gave you, they're thinking about it too. They just don't want to bring it up because our parents are old school. So we got to forgive our parents. They were young. Sometimes we were born in painful, circumstance, in painful circumstances. Um, you know, maybe, you know, hurt people hurt people. Maybe they were healed of their wounds. Um, and maybe they didn't know uh, they were oblivious to how they hurt you. And so I just wanted to say that to young, pe young adults. Forgive your parents, fam. They don't live forever. My mom died. My mom's in the great cloud of witness. And, you know, I'll, I'll fight. I'll fight 17 people for the favela to, to see my mom again. You know? And, um, but that's not going to happen. I'll, I'll see her one day, that, you know, in heaven. And the millennial reign of Christ will be together with Jesus. But, um, as a person that my mom's not here, if you got both your parents, love on them. Forgive them. Invite them to church. When you preach in front of them, thank God for your uh, salvation. Thank your pastors for the opportunity. But thank your parents. Listen, I know my parents were thinking about going to the clinic when they found out my mom was pregnant with me. <laughs> and I think that's some of uh, other people here too. And, and she pressed through with no plan, with no money, no pennies, no plan. Traumatized herself. And so, honor your parents. Some of you guys honor your pastor more than your parents. And I'm not saying not to honor your pastor. It's not either or. It's both and. Alright. And then the last, last thing. For real, for real. Each one bring one. Do you know, the third wave. You know how, you know third wave is so important. Because in most denominations and fellowships, the third, gen the third generation, the ministry dies. But we're not going to die, we're going to multiply. And the third wave is death prevention and life giving. The third wave is a God idea. And so, each one bring one. Your church will always have a future if people like you stay faithful. Stay faithful to your post. Stay faithful. Stop always thinking about like trying to go to this bigger church and think of that bigger church and and maybe I could be a youth leader over here and, and a, a youth czar over here. Stay faithful where you are. Bloom where you're planted. The Lord will move some of you. And that's fine because you're, you're taking us with you. You're taking the East Coast legacy with you when you do that. So each one, bring one. Be faithful. Support your church with your finances. Always have three friends you're thinking about bringing to church. And be friendly with each other. I'm going to tell you what pastors, uh, you know what church member a pastor loves? The one that, that, that has good attendance, that pays attention, the one that throws compliments our way because we're not insecure, <laughs> right? Uh, that gases us up a little bit. And the one that always brings money and new members. Moments, money, and new members. If I can have an a, a awesome moment and see you there, I'm like, yo, we here, yo, we here, God, yo, this is an awesome moment, because awesome moments build momentum, and momentums build ministry, right, and so, if you could be there, if you could be faithful, if you could give your finances, every year, 
if you could bring three new friends to church and if you could be friendly. See, a lot of people bring people to church, but then they contribute to a toxic environment that make people live to leave the church. And that math is off. You bring one, you lose two. We're never going to grow. But if you could close the back door with friendliness and invite more people through the side door, like I got the hookup, then our ministry will never die and our region will grow. All right, I'm done. Proverbs 27, verse 9 in the ESV said, Oil and perfume make the heart glad. I pray that your heart was glad from this message. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And I try to give you earnest counsel. I pray that the oil, that you felt this oil. I pray that the fragrance of my attention is felt wherever you're at. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I pray for these beautiful young people. I pray, Lord God, that you just give them so much insight, so much foresight, such incredible guidance and oversight. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you help them with their health, you help them with their wealth, you help them with their network, with their friends, heal their hearts, beautify their lives, beautify their faces their faith and their finances. These are beautiful young people, Lord. I, I just ask that you just put a hedge of protection around them. Bless Will. Bless Kia. Bless everybody on this call, Lord God. Bless the Watsons. Bless the young people from Harlem, from West Philadelphia, North Philadelphia. Bless all the young people, Lord God. I love them, but I know you love them so much more, Lord God. Let them feel your love, Lord God. Some of them are lonely. Give them affection and direction. Some of them are single. I pray that you bring that man and woman of God, that you make that, that love connection, Lord God. Some of them need a financial miracle. I pray, Lord God, for jobs. I pray, Lord God, for opportunities, businesses, multiple streams of income. Lord, let them know they're special. Man may have forgotten them, but you have never forgotten them, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. Forgive me for going too long. I love y'all so much. Amen, amen. Let's clap it up for Pastor Ed. Perfect time, Pastor Ed. We thank you so, so much. A man of wisdom.